Hello and welcome to episode number 204 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good man, pretty good. We are back with our final retrospective show. It has been a hell of a run. What a time. What a time. I know. Um, as, you, as you guys well know, we have been all up in Scream over the last three weeks. Um, we've discussed the trilogy in depth, um, and hopefully you guys have checked that out. And there's only one way to end this bad boy, um, which is the one and only Scream 4, um, which, yeah, I already cannot wait to talk about this week. It's going to be very, very exciting. I hope you guys have been re-watching along. I hope you guys have been enjoying them just as much as we have. Um, of course, full so much hype for Scream at the minute. Obviously, we're going to talk, I guess, a little bit at the end of this episode about our thoughts about the potential new movie and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, first, a little bit of news. Not too much again this week. Um, the first one, this one is so interesting to me. Um, it's a movie that we've talked a couple of times in the news, um, which is Peninsula, which is the kind of follow-up to Train to Busan. Um, kind of quasi-sequel, not a direct sequel because it doesn't follow mm, the same characters but odd, in that world yeah um you know zombie outbreak but it's, it looks way more big and over the top and a lot more like an action movie um i don't know if you've seen the trailer that kind of came out earlier this year um but, i think uh, i did yeah yeah it's, it's insane it just yeah. I, I don't know if it's actually going to be for me because i love train to boost on so much and mm. this is a little bit too world war z for my liking um, yeah i was gonna say it was the intimacy of train to boost mm. know what the um Busan, there was these big kind of bigger set pieces kind mm. of in the train station and stuff um but kind of when they're on the train it's such a small tight space and it was yeah. how they utilized that that was kind of what i enjoyed most about that film so yeah kind of seeing something that looks more world War ish and, and kind of you know um even you know dawn of the dead remake ish until it kind of goes back to you know apart from the mile stuff that kind of scales out massively that movie as well and kind of like i don't necessarily know if i want that from peninsula yeah, that final act of that movie in particular, the Dawn of the Dead remake, mm. when they're kind of in the car and it is just a sea yeah. of CGI zombies, that's kind of what this movie reminds me of. Yeah, that's um, what it did me, yeah. But it, it, it could be cool, for sure. It looks like they're going for a Mad Max style, and it does just mm. look very... like It looks very entertaining, to say yeah. the least. Um, But we do have more information about it, because kind of like they've been releasing... There was a new poster art that looks really cool, and obviously we got the trailer with subtitles. Mm. Um, But it was always planned for kind of release next year um, as it goes into theatres. Um, but... Um, uh, basically the company that have already we already discussed that a company called Wellgo USA will be distributing it kind of in the states um and i guess outside of um i th- this is a korean movie i believe yeah um mm. so i think that they we already knew that but they've they put a date on it which is this to me blows my mind especially in the current climate which we'll get into but um they've said that they'll be releasing it in the states and in canada august 7th um it says in the kind of press release on that date peninsula will arrive in 150 screens across the usa and canada um also part of this release they said that shudder have acquired the movie and will debut it next year in 2021 so sort of outside the theatrical release um which before yeah i guess before we get into that cinema date of august 7th the, the second part is fantastic news um as we keep saying time and time again on the news lately like shudder is starting to become that place for for the horror movies that we want um picking up the weird stuff and like i said before i think that outside of the big horror movies that like halloween and Saw and those sort of things i want all of my other experiences of, of horror to be on shudder definitely um, i was trying to think do they have train to be sent on there right i have now? no idea no. um but yeah, because um, 
Yeah, that'd be a good. I think they, they they would have to. I think like that would be awesome if they could pick that up and also Soul Station, which was the kind of the animated spinoff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have both of them on Blu-ray, and I still need to watch Soul Station. Um, but yeah, like that's obviously fantastic news. It's a perfect place for Shudder, um, especially I think when it comes to the foreign language movies. I think Shudder are really starting to get into that now. Obviously, they mm-hmm. did like um, Tigers Are Not Afraid last year and some other stuff. But I think when you start to open that horizon of not just mostly american movies and also just english language movies in general you start to get this whole plethora of horror that is like for years it was so unobtainable i remember when we used to mm. get was it um was it called tartan what was the company that like yeah first tartan, ring? asian extreme or something like yeah. that yeah it, it was like it was so hard to get like um that j horror when that first mm. became a thing in, like the early 2000s and then, but then stuff like shudder and obviously the arrival of the internet or like not just the arrival but the kind of the takeover of the internet as it were um and the more readily available internet for everyone like shudder it will, could be such a good place for that i think of just international horror and bringing everyone mm. together through through yeah, the love definitely. of horror um so first and foremost i think that that to me is the best part about this storyline a uh, story i think it's awesome um but coming back to the release date august 7th really like uh, that just seems mental to me it seems way too soon um obviously this is kind of tying in now to i guess the 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 state of cinemas as it were right now and i think i discussed last week or the week before how i just casually said you know oh cinemas are open again kind of in this country um yeah that wasn't massively true it was true for us because where we live in the country in the east of england our local cinema which we go to is open um it's only open friday saturday sunday currently so it's not open throughout the week and as we discussed it is just old stuff that we don't care about um you know if you want to go see empire strikes back then knock yourself out but like we go to watch new movies and obviously yeah exactly and listen i love these movies but i'm not gonna go right i, I saw that you know apart from star wars because obviously i wasn't born then but uh the other movies that were out i've already seen because I, I you know we see a lot of the cinema um but yeah so kind of that aspect of it and yeah a lot of cinemas in the country i think cine world um nationwide hasn't opened in britain yeah. yet um and obviously as kind of like no, a it's lot a real of, um, it's a real yeah. weird ropey situation isn't it <laughs> yeah, but it's very, kind yeah. of it's one of those things where I feel like a couple of these companies are taking a punt on an opportune moment because yes, I feel like there's going to be this very sweet spot, slim window of opportunity where the masses, you know, talking about kind of, you know, the, I, I saw what happened with the pubs recently when they reopened mm. and the, the craziness that ensued. Like when there is a, when there is a cinema release of a film like people are going to rush back, mm. uh, rightly or wrongly and then um you know a movie will take advantage of it and do banging numbers until we all just get locked up again so (laughs) so like um you know uh, the the company taking a punt on a movie like this that obviously train to busan performed incredibly well at the cinema and kind of it does have some buzz behind it and i think kind of um uh this movie coming out and if it gets the timing right and there's a, they can get it on enough screens, it could do incredibly well because people are mm. anxious to go to the cinema right now. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get it from that aspect of like, mm. uh, yeah, why wouldn't a company pick this date? But I just think it's absolutely ludicrous. Like, there's no, there's no way this comes out in August seventh. It certainly, it certainly won't be on 150 screens across the United States and Canada <laughs> on August seventh, um, based upon how many screens are even open right now. Um, but yeah, kind of like piggybacking off of that. Yeah, Tenet is obviously the one that I feel like is the litmus test for everyone. Mm. Kind of just see where that movie is, and if that movie does actually come out, then I think we can consider it to be some sort of normality. Um, right now, it's it 
keeps getting pushed. It keeps getting pushed. Um, August 12th is the date currently, um, but there has been heavy rumors again this week that it's going to be delayed at least another month. Um, so I think that is the one to look at. And obviously from a horror yeah. perspective, we have like at the end of August, we have Antebellum and the New Mutants coming out at the end of August, um, nah. which haven't been pushed yet. <laughs> um, which, yeah, it doesn't feel I'm like... Just, I'm, just, I'm, just waiting, I'm just waiting for Quiet Place 2 to get delayed again. That's... Yeah, hundred percent. It's gonna That's happen. What I'm waiting for. Yeah. Yeah, like at this point I think my soul has been so destroyed by dates mm-hmm. um that yeah, I can't even feel sadness anymore. Um which yeah, perfectly piggybacks us into the second news story. Um, which is some new delays and dates that we haven't done for a while. Um <laughs> the Universal uh were the one here where they decided to pull the trigger, where they said, you know what, shit ain't gonna be right anytime soon. Um and so three horror movies that were on our, our schedule have been moved around. Um the first one, very major release, was Halloween Kill um mm. you know one of the quietest ones i think when we discussed our updated release schedule a couple of weeks back there was that there was the conjuring the devil made me do it um which is currently scheduled for the 10th of september and there was i believe one more this year um but i can't find it off the top of my head that was kind of like they hadn't moved essentially yeah yeah and so we were like well them being really quiet i don't think is a good sign like look at the conjuring oh, right now been, would it have been purge Oh, possibly, because that is part of this story. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like as with the Conjuring, I just yeah, the, it's only a matter of time before that movie gets delayed. Um, but Halloween was that one of like they haven't shifted from their date. They've not shown anything about this movie. People are asking for a trailer and all this and that, and it just didn't happen. And um, yeah, they broke the news on Twitter that it has been delayed for a full year, um, which is to be expected at this point. This is yeah. kind of the release that a lot of these movies have had. Just whack it back a year. You know, they like that date for a reason, especially when it's <laughs> Halloween obviously um and and, yeah there was a teaser as well like a very short teaser i don't know if you saw this um no i didn't i just i just it's too far away man (laughs) yeah it it was weird i can't watch a teaser for something that just got taken a year away from me yeah we're all we're all stuck in 2020 right now we don't get an extra (laughs) year of our lives (laughs) i'm just kind of like god damn it (laughs) yeah we're all just gotta be on pause (laughs) yeah 100 percent. like um yeah, I don't think you're missing too much. It was it was just a very, very short thing that was kind of like, okay, yeah, the, the movie's going to pick up where the last movie left off, kind of assumed that anyway. Um, so, yeah, it was fine. But, uh, yeah, a big-ass delay on this one mm. to be expected. Um, moving on to the next one, because they're all kind of linked here, um, is Candyman, um, which, of course, already been delayed once. Um, what was it? It was originally going to be June. Um, yeah, beginning of, of June. So, yeah, we already would have seen it. Um, then got moved to the 25th of September, um, it has now been slotted into Halloween slot. Um, so October 16th for this one. Um, that's one of those weird ones where uh, I'm like, okay, was Halloween kills just not finished then? Because yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I kind of think that obviously, so weird. you know, like we, we know for a fact, I keep going back to it, but like quiet place is 100% finished and mm. ready for people to see. So they could release that at any second. All they've got to do is put it on a premium download and we can <laughs> see it. Whereas, yeah, like Halloween Kills is a very different kettle of fish. That movie was six months away from release when we went into lockdown. And, um, you know, that movie clearly is not ready six months ahead of time. Mm. Um, And, yeah, it depends on how far they got with it. But if they got so far, then they started to need to get, you know, 
more vo or to go reshoot things then bump that means it's it's bumped for a year and that that sounds exactly that's what's happened you know they they started to kind of edit it together and realize you know we, we need more time and hmm. you know it's fine that's you know i want the movie to be good first and foremost and so you know we'll we'll keep watching screen movies in the meantime <laughs> yeah and then we ran out of them and then we don't know what to do Damn um, but uh, yeah, and in the final one, as we as we mentioned a, a little while ago, the Forever Purge, um, we kind of knew this one was going to be delayed because again, it was ridiculously quiet. Um, it was scheduled to again to have already come out by now in early July, and that also got pushed a year. Um, so yeah. July 9th, twenty twenty one for that one. Yeah, they um, didn't start filming that one yet. So. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Oh damn, we just completely forgot to do the last Purge movie." Yeah. Um, so yeah, delays are fun. Um, yeah. I should also mention that I just glanced at the uh, Shutter release um, for the Peninsula that we was discussing. And yeah, they did say in that release, um, we're thrilled to be home of this new masterpiece and the only place where movie lovers will be able to stream this outstanding trilogy together. Um, So yeah, they do have the other two movies, which is pretty cool. Um, And yeah, just a very short one, because kind of this doesn't um, pertain to us too much, but there was a really sick Friday the 13th collection that got announced over the past week. Um, Very timely, considering our conversation about (laughs) um, region-locked Blu-rays last week. Yeah, we we went, I know, we went deep into it last week. (laughs) And what what was it you were, what was the one we were talking about? So, the one we were talking about was 13 Ghosts. Wasn't it? And 13 Ghosts. And there was a couple. Yeah. They're all things that, like, I have most of the Rob Zombie films. It's a nice presentation. You know, Mm. 13 Ghosts, you know, it's, it's great, but... But this was the one when I saw it and I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, it's beautiful. Like, yep. it just looks so amazing. It's this, mm-hmm. all of the movies, a ton of special features. And it's just, it, it's one of these releases that has real care going into it. You can see the whole mm. packaging, all of the branding of the the Blu-rays and the entire package. It just, all of it looks amazing. And, um, yeah, it's the closest that I've ever got to breaking my kind of multi-region rule and trying to get hold of this bad boy yeah th- this this is spectacular this release i think just mm. for people who haven't seen it look it up because um th- this to me is one of the nicest if not the nicest collection of films i've ever seen where i'm looking at it and i'm like my god like i love arrow's presentation yeah. um but i think this is the only one that i've seen that rivals are even better as better as theirs because it's just it's so goddamn nice in every way shape or form and like i say it's literally got everything you'd want in a collection um and yeah i i'm so frustrated that we're not getting this over here um because I don't think, obviously, they're the same company that we discussed last week with 13 Ghosts. Like, I don't think they remotely dabble with any sort no. of region blue stuff. So it wouldn't even be a case of like, well, if the support's there, we'll do it. It just seems like that's not, you know, part of their market or whatever. Yeah. And the um, fact that the fact that it's um, Freddy versus Jason and Friday the 13th remake yeah. is just crazy. <laughs> like, I would have, I would have been buzzed for this if it stopped at Jason X. Yeah, and the fact that they throw those two movies in as well and make it the the, the definitive full collection, mm. it's just that's just so awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. Like I'd say it's decently priced for what it is as well. Um, yeah, what is it? Hundred what is it? Hundred forty dollars? Yes, hundred hundred sixty maybe something along those lines. Mm. But yeah, obviously like twelve movies for this crazy limited edition with all the extra stuff as well. There was loads of cool stuff of like the first people that pre-ordered got these lovely posters and all this stuff. Like just overall, I think they nailed it. Like absolutely nailed it. This is one of the things where if this was in the UK, I'd get it within a heartbeat. Like it wouldn't yeah. even be a consideration. Um, and that's yeah, considering I haven't bought like an Arrow film in a while because they haven't really spoke to me. This is one that I was like, God damn it i just wish we had this so much um but yeah if anyone's getting it definitely let us know and i, I want to be really jealous when you guys get it for sure 
Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely need to see some unboxing of this. When, when <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the news this week. Uh, should we dive into this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about Scream Four. So yeah, the final one, as we mentioned, um, it's been a hell of a blast these last few weeks talking about these movies, and mm-hmm. now we're here to talk about the last one. Um, we are. Obviously, we we ended the trilogy last week, and it was a little bit of a downer considering like the highs of Scream One and Scream Two, um, and they took a very long time off after Scream Three. Yeah, was it almost um, ten years or? Yeah, it was a decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is insane. Um, I was just trying to pull up actually because I wanted to compare like box office and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, obviously directed by Wes Craven once again. Um, this, of course, was sadly his last movie that he directed. Um, yeah, which. Um proper it's crazy to think that mm. this was the last movie he directed because yeah. like we'll get into it but like you know it's a banger and mm. kind of the fact that he could produce something this incredible just before he passed like it's it's just a shame like he was uh what was he he was he was 80 was he when he passed something like that 75 I'm not too sure yeah i'm not sure but like yeah just just you you know i just yeah, 76. 76 yeah yeah um but you know just you wonder what else he could have created mm. uh, because uh, oh, the yeah. guy was not done yet. Like scream, scream for yeah. Like he was not getting rusty. No, this is a ridiculous movie to have as your last film. And I'm super happy for Wes that he yeah. managed to do this because obviously he'd done some movies that weren't well received. Um, obviously just to quickly glance at it. Cause obviously we discussed like the movies that he was doing around uh, scream free at the time. Um, obviously, yeah, his most recent movies, I guess were like, he did cursed and red eye um, after scream free. Um, and then it was pretty much, uh, was it my soul to take? It in my, it, yeah, it, it was my soul to take was such a weird one because he, mm. He always talked about it as, as like he took that project on to get his eye back in for Scream Four. Right, like, yeah. Um, it's kind of hilarious. I mean, I love that movie, My Soul to Take. Like, mm. I, you know, I'm sure if I rewatch it critically or something for the podcast, it'd be a different kettle of fish. But like, just taking it for what it was, like, I enjoyed it at the time. Um, yeah. And yeah, talking about movies, I mean, Red Eye. That, yeah that's, oh, that is a yeah yeah we we absolutely adore red eye i i think it's still one of his best movies it's fantastic i think to me cursed is a real interesting one because mm. that is i mean we we don't really have time to go on it now you could do a whole podcast on that but like that is a movie that's still been talked about today in terms of the whole it's it's one of those movies like a um what is it zach schneider's justice league or whatever mm. where it's like you know there's there was so many different edits so many different cuts so many different kind of studios stepping in or like the rob zombie halloween i guess Wait, we're gonna have to start uh, release the craven cut <laughs> well that's the, i mean there already is a movement for that and there has been for a very long time um because yeah there was original cuts there was loads of different edits and that's been a thing with a lot of where's his career it's super weird to look at it as someone who started so indie and did such crazy things he seemed to got stuck in the studio system for a very long time and even looking at scream 4 there was there was extensive rewrites once again which we'll get into and there was extensive reshoots and even adding particular different scenes to this movie um and i feel like that's so weird for a guy who he's made so many movies he's been so prolific within the horror genre but he still had to like almost bend over backwards so many times just to get his movies made Mm -hmm. um it blows my mind 
I kind of feel like he never had ownership of his brands and his IP no. and they all blew up and became so massive straight away. Mm. You know, um, A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream, you know, these are two of the biggest franchises across, you know, not, not just horror, just in general. Like everyone knows who Freddy Krueger is. And like in the nineties, the Scream movies were as big as it, like the Saw movies, you know, were in the two thousands and kind mm. of, um, they they grew to such a st- size that Wes's name didn't carry the clout to, to get full ownership of it still because the studios were just so invested in it because it wasn't just like, oh, you know, here's, here's this guy that's just done a load of horror movies and is pretty big in the horror movie world. It's like, no, th- these movies are box office sensations. Mm. Yeah, well, piggybacking off of that, actually, like, the, so Scream 4 was the worst um, performing mm. of all of the movies, which I find very shocking. Um, kind of a $40 million budget, which is very big, same as Scream 3, um, only made 97, which, yeah, kind of, I guess, all things considered, it like barely made a profit. Um, mm. And I think it's interesting because at the time, there was a lot of talk about doing and this was going to kick off another trilogy. And, you know, I think they already had kind of the basic treatments once again for a Scream 5 and a Scream 6 and yeah it just obviously just didn't happen yeah it's interesting i Mm. think you know obviously there was such a long um amount of time between three and four that you've lost a lot Mm. of your core audience at that point potentially and kind of the fact yeah that that budget you imagine how much of that is spent on retention because you have Mm. it's this this horror franchise when we talk about these four movies is almost unheard of the amount of returning cast that you've got this is almost like a tv show at this point like Mm. and so you know you've suddenly got you've got three because you know we're already at this point with screen five where we're like well if we don't have the three come back it's going to be really weird like if Mm. if dewey's just there and he's like oh yeah gail died like do you know what i mean Or, or she's just not in it like yeah, they try and just write them out sort of yeah, off screen. Like, oh, yeah, she thing. moved to England. You know, yeah. it's just kind of, you know, but then, you know, whoever hasn't signed on the dotted line yet are just sat there on stacks of money. Like, well, <laughs> where's where's this contract, boys? Like, you know, it's it becomes... Yeah, there's, a reason, there's a reason why David Arquette was the first one to be announced. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason much. why the biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest star, uh, you know, living off that friend's money hasn't, hasn't signed on the dotted line yet. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But, but yeah, going back to Scream 4, um, I think, like, we, we've spoken a lot about this franchise as a whole and the opening scenes of mm. the franchise. The the opening scene of this movie, like, from... I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and I forgot mm. how many times they kind of zoom out, where you've kind of got this film within a film, within a film, within a film, and, and you just don't know when it's ever going to end. You're like, is this the whole movie? And it kind of, like, it's so weird because obviously this is like well post the scary movie phenomenon and all of the spin-offs and everything else and like this is such a slapstick tongue-in-cheek thing but it really never comes across as just like silly and dumb it's just it's just like hugely entertaining and really witty and just like i was blown away by it watching it again Mm. and kind of when you get the reveal of the Scream 4 logo and like the banging soundtrack that's like on the opening credits and like the then you get like Woodsboro like pop and mm. obviously like the fact that we're in Woodsboro for the first time since Scream 1 um, yeah. I think is massive for this movie mm-hmm. I think it was such a welcome return um instead of all of these characters that are fish out of water they all feel comfortable even Sydney that hasn't been there in years feels comfortable as soon as she's there 
Mm. Um, and yeah, this movie just starts in such the right place. It's unbelievable for me. Um, yeah, I like. I always wonder how Wes is going to like top it, and or, or not even top it, just emulate what he's done in the past. Because I wouldn't even like we've spoken about ranking the the movies. I wouldn't even want to rank the opening scenes, <laughs> like because they're they're, they're absolutely. <laughs> Like, I honestly don't know if I could because they're all absolute bangers and they're in completely different ways. Yeah. You know, and that, and they're so unique. And, and yeah, it just really, I love the fact that kind of they already introduced into this world that Stab has just gone absolutely mad and straight away poke fun at Saw. And like everything about that was like, what, what Saw movie, what would it have been in 2011? They would, that would have been in the break I'd, at that point. That would have yeah, been after, would it, would it have been, would have been after yeah. <laughs> And so, like, I love the fact that, um, you know, they've done all of, you know, all of that it has already been set up, that world building in the fantastic opener. Mm. Um, because I think that side of things does play a huge part in this movie. Obviously, we get the Stabathon and we get the film class and kind of just like the, the commentaries on those movies. I mean, I really want to watch, is it Stab 4 or 5 where they go to space? Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty. I can't remember yeah, which one. But yeah. I, really, I really want to watch that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> someone needs to make the stab movie movies. I'm looking at you, Robert Rodriguez. I'm looking. Yeah, at so you. it was it was in this movie, wasn't it? Because obviously yeah. it was at the Stabathon when they actually. I'm glad they actually give his name the credit because yeah. obviously, as we discussed before, he did direct that original stab bit with um Heather Graham, and then obviously the the bit with Tori Spelling, which you don't see in this movie. Yeah. Um, you did see in Scream too. Yeah, he did direct all those parts, and so it's great that he actually got that credit this time. Um, um, but yeah, I find I it very odd. No, go on, you go. I was just gonna say, like the yeah, the to me this the opening scene is what sets up this movie where this movie was going to be a complete success or a complete failure. Yeah. And I think it like immediately gets the tone of what a movie, a, another screen movie, like ten years later needs to be. Um, and I think that obviously I know it because it's written in front of me. But you can immediately tell the difference with Kevin Williamson back on board. Um, mm obviously we've discussed it a lot but yeah he will he was once again like the main writer of this one again there was rewrites aaron kruger who did scream free was brought in at one point i think very last minute to do some mm. rewrites um but wes has already said that as always said um in interviews that the core of the script that he ended up directing was kevin's baby once again mm. and yeah i just think that the level the quality level of the dialogue i think was the thing that i desperately was missing the most from scream yeah. free and immediately kind of the way the characters are talking to each other it is that brilliant level like randy in the first movie of like it's tongue-in-cheek and it's self-referential um but it just works so well and well yeah, that like... line between parody and mm. still being in a horror movie uh, what we spoke about with the original scream how yeah. scream even when it's spoofed by scary movie is still you know still kind of you know doesn't just become pure jokes and i mm. think kind of um you know, this movie toes that line again in in that opening scene massively. That 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 opening scene could have been straight out of scary movie if it was worded just slightly differently and had yeah. a little bit more laughs in. But they managed to just toe that line perfectly. It goes at such a it goes at such a pace that I just love because yeah, like mm. if you've not seen a screen movie for so long, you think, oh my god, are they just going to do the thing again where it's a girl in the opener and then she gets a phone call and Ghostface comes? I think to be so like no we're taking the piss out of that we know that like at this point every franchise has a million sequels and even our own franchise of course has multiple sequels at this point so we really you can't it's almost like you can't ignore that like it's scream no. four it's the fourth one after you know f 15 years or whatever yeah. so you need to reference that and yeah, also and the fact that this is the fourth one when the first movie was poking fun at this already 
exactly and and then i think obviously the the big thing which i think this goes into like overall i think this movie works phenomenally well is the post scream three to scream four by far the biggest talking point within the the genre at that time was remakes that was yeah. the biggest deal by far that had happened in the previous 10 years where you look at 2000 of course there are remakes and there's obviously ones like the thing and stuff which is like it's hard to wrap your yeah. head around as a remake but like the actual remakes of the films that we grew up loving in the 70s and 80s you know that was where yeah they i always see, churned out constantly you know, texas chainsaw massacre and dawn of the dead was kind mm. of like the the spell where suddenly remakes were a thing and and yeah obviously this this movie multiple times does it to the point that um the whole kirby when when she actually gets quizzed by ghostface mm. and like just names all the remakes was just yeah. it was just gold yeah, well, it's such a good scene because obviously at the time it was supposed to take the piss to be like, look, there's been a million remakes. She's going to list them all because she's like this nerd who knows the answer yeah. to the question. She obviously then, in her mind, she gets it right because she's listing every remake. And the joke is supposed to be, ha ha ha, look how many there is. And then yeah. it's crazy now because obviously in the last nine years, that list is 10 times longer than it is now <laughs> you know like that scene would be a 10 minute long scene if they tried to do it now and she'd have to do mm. some sort of willem dafoe <laughs> kind of speech to pull it off mm. um but but yeah so like i love that scene but like yeah the fact that the whole movie well, is about you willem dafoe and i thought like ace ventura when he talks really fast yeah we, we really are that's just a lot <laughs> um but yeah like even the fact that the title is what it is of the four and the a and so it just basically looks like scream and then the fact that for the throughout the whole movie you know they're talking about the reinvention of the rules and this and that and the fact that it's all coming down to being a remake i think is absolute genius and i yeah. think that's why to me the movie especially the finale works so well and why i think it is such a return to form and i think that the final act of this movie to me is the best scream thing we've seen since scream one um yeah. because of the fact that it just it just it ties everything so perfectly well and it's so beautifully written and it's really unexpected and i don't think anyone saw that coming the first time they saw this movie no. to have it as a quasi remake where this time the new sydney is the killer i think is absolutely genius i think for me it's the best reveal of a killer in all the movies that is the one yeah. thing that i think is better than scream in this movie like i love jill as the as the kind of the reveal it's it's ridiculously you know out of the blue but it makes perfect sense and she pulls it off fantastically well um obviously to get into well, the cast this is crazy because the, she's had this mental career from this point but mm. It's it's hard to think back to when I first saw this movie and I had no idea who Emma Roberts was. Well, I think that's the thing. This is what kicked off for us, you know, the the obsession with Emma Roberts and wanting yeah. to see her in the in the genre so much because she is phenomenal in this movie. You know, we talk about Scream. We when we talked about Scream Three and the list of characters that just really, you know, there were there we were. As soon as Cotton was gone, we were missing yeah. more glue because you can't just have. You know, Sydney. Um, Sydney is a very introvert character. Dewey and Gale are their own buddy cop companion duo, and mm. and, and neither of them are like this kind of, you know, sh really strong character that that's that you, you know that you can kind of get behind. And Emma Roberts was just phenomenal in this film. And then obviously none of us knew that because she plays that innocent. Um, victim you know for, for most of this movie so well and and like you know uh, so many scream queens have done before but then when she turns man mm. like we you know obviously we've seen that side of her a lot at this point but like at yeah. that point i was just when we first saw this movie i was completely blown away and she was completely believable as the killer mm. um 
and yeah, the fact that the end sequence goes on for so long and kind of the whole finale at the hospital and everything, I, I thought, yeah, I really thought it was a perfect way to kind of, you know, finish this movie. Yeah, the, I, like the hospital scene is ridiculously good because I think the reveal at the house and kind of bringing it back to like Scream 1 again was was so clever and all that stuff was would made so much sense. But then, yeah, once you get into that scene and, you know, she's pulled off her plan, but unlike all of the clowns in the previous movies, her plan worked. And, mm. and so when you get to that final scene of when they have that beautiful shot of them lying together and she kind of moves her hand to mirror Sydney, yeah. you're like, is this the end of the goddamn movie? <laughs> like, did the bad guy win? And mm. Um, that would have been amazing and I think uh, just reading about it earlier on today I think that was apparently what Kevin wanted initially um, and they were going to have like a whole there was going to be like one line of dialogue that basically said like oh there's a survivor or whatever and then Scream um, 5 would have been kind of like Sydney who had amnesia who couldn't remember everything battling against um, Jill um, <laughs> and, but obviously yeah they kind of scrapped that they realised they needed a stronger end into the movie because they didn't want to leave a cliffhanger and so that was when one of the reshoots was the entire hospital scene and one of the rewrites and yeah I think the movie is incredible but then it just gets escalated with that scene and I mm. can't picture this movie it's, without it it's so good it's interesting you say that though because at one point I did think to myself Jill has gone so off the rails like yeah. there's no way she comes out of this now as the victim mm. she's literally like killing, oh, trying to yeah. kill like three people and yeah, I thought like that's hospital. yeah it was never but, gonna but, work but in my mind I was like well to be fair like what else is she gonna do at this point the second Sydney's still alive mm. she knows she's fucked and she just she just decides to go mental like yeah. uh but but yeah it did feel a little bit like that's you know it went against her plan but but yeah I still love the scene I think um this movie for me one of the one of the strongest points about this movie is that we get the best ghost face in this movie than we probably get in the entire franchise yeah there, there are so many good kills and so many good chase sequences um you know usually with the screen movies you get the um you get the opening scene you might get one more good like kill sequence and then you get the big finale whereas this movie has them sprinkled throughout mm. there's 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 such good sequences um the um obviously the uh friend across the road scene yeah, where he's olivia, like yeah. in the olivia with like i'm in the wardrobe and all of yeah. that was just fantastic watching the dead. <laughs> um yeah watching sean of the dead and just just everything about that was fantastic um obviously there's the um uh the pa kind of scene in the car park as well which i thought was fantastic and just really fun um and kind of you know it was good to see an aggressive ghost face there mm. that just kind of like charged at her at the end i enjoyed yeah. that and kind of um yeah you know i just thought there was some real good um kills in this movie and some really good ghost face stuff you know there, there's multiple times it's probably the most that he has phone conversations with people throughout mm. the movie as well um and so all of that just um yeah gave me more of what i wanted that even when we spoke about the original we kind of said it's funny how little there is actually in the middle part but because mm. it's so because everything else is so good you give it a pass but like yeah this gives you a fantastic sprinkle throughout the entire movie i think yeah he feels the most present as a killer in this movie mm. i think any of the movies where yeah he's a constant threat there's never really a scene where you're like oh i just forget that there's a serial killer on the loose it's like yeah. it's always a big deal throughout the movie which i think helps and yeah i, I think it's interesting when, you, when it comes to the fact that obviously the killers are jill and um what's rory's character in this movie called i forgot now um just called rory <laughs> yeah let me have a look Frank, Rory's franklin rory. 
Is it Franklin? Um, no, 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 I just made it up. <laughs> that, that was a good guess. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, man, I can't even find it now. But, um, yeah. Oh, God damn it. Here it is. Um, Charlie. Isn't it? Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, Wolf. I was then thinking uh, <laughs> I, I had Kirby in my in, – I, I channeled Kirby's voice when it's, she was Yeah, when she was saying him, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man i love kirby in this film yeah we need yeah well i was gonna say we need to talk about kirby but yeah i just wanted to real quick talk about obviously the fact that yeah it's jill and charlie i think is yeah I, I really like it and it serves the purpose because he's basically just a much better mickey at the end of the day where he is yeah. just the muscle and the brawn and kind of like she is obviously leading him on and she never yeah. had any intentions with him and, and it, it's fine it works well and i think obviously it makes it a lot easier to keep that killer think, yeah and i think the thing is as well there's there's so many scenes where the killer does pop up and, and it's yeah. not obvious that there's two of them but if you were to re-watch it like watching scream three knowing that there is only one killer yeah there are times where i'm like that guy can move like <laughs> you know and it's kind of like um you can you, you've got so much more freedom to play with red herrings as well with with two killers because like jill is attacked in this movie you know mm. they, they do the whole derek arm slash yeah they go brought derek in for you <laughs> thanks um and, <laughs> and and you know so you know she um gets attacked in in the scene you know she's in the house and obviously her and charlie are in the house seemingly being attacked charlie never gets one well, sorry no he does because obviously he gets the whole tied up curtain yeah scene. and then obviously yeah. jill gets chased around the house and is hiding under the bed so like you know i would love to see the um uh one cut of the dead uh yeah the logistics killer, of what they're like literally at one point like charlie is chasing jill and then he chases Sydney onto the roof, and then Jill must hop out and get the ghost face outfit on to then get Charlie. <laughs> like it, like it would be the choreo choreography of it would be immense. But like the fact that you can get around it, and that those two are never chased in the same scene together, mm. and and you know, so it could always be genuine. It makes it that much harder to guess the killer, and therefore the killers in this movie are present throughout. You know, yeah. um, Charlie is the most present second killer probably you know since Stu, and maybe even more than Stu. like he is very present in this movie mm. you know he's not mickey and um uh i forget sydney's brother's name now in screen roman. three um roman yeah like you know like mickey's the most unpresent killer in the entire franchise and you no. know i think it's i think it's good that they that they did that so much and that they were right there the whole time yeah like i like it because like you say in writing wise it makes sense and yeah mm. the fact that the, the what the first movie did which was genius was that it kind of does eliminate that basicness of it of like if you're watching it and it's one killer you can just be like right well this person's been attacked yeah. so it's not them kind of like you do that mental working out in your head and by the time you get yeah. to a third, a third act you have a pretty good idea of who the killer is and so that's like the genius of the first movie because you feel like you've already done that of like well billy's already been attacked so it's not him mm. and then obviously you get the reveal and it's so incredible um and obviously at least with yeah, at least with three, that was obviously still the worst one. It did at least try and do something different. Um, yeah, but I think this movie showed like Roman spoofed it himself. You know, yeah. with, with with hiding hiding in the in the coffin with the blood on him. Like he tried to spoof it himself. Yeah, so they're always going to do that, of course. And yeah, like this movie still has like the red herons, of course. Like I think it has a couple of characters that it tries very hard to make you seem evil. I oh, think Hicks, the, the main one. Hicks, yeah, yeah, like. 
her her character sucks in this movie. Um, for, for a movie that I adore, there is a couple of characters in this movie. All, and funny all enough, police, police apart from <laughs> yeah, all police apart from Dewey suck. Yeah, they're um, terrible. Which a lot. Which um, is weird. Which will, I, which will come on to because I definitely need to talk about that. But yeah, um, I feel like it's intentional though. It's it's really weird because they even make jokes about the bad cops and all that stuff. But yeah, they, they we'll are terrible. It. Like characters. it's it's fully intentional. Mm. But but it's the first time that this franchise one like three did as well. But this this became an absolute parody. The yeah, death really sequence sure. of of Perkins and yeah. whatever the other cop's name was, Hoss. Um, yeah, like was just. It was dreadful. That they, you know, their tongue-in-cheek kind of when they were scaring each other and talking about horror movies and how cops always die. I was fine with that, and like, um, you know, it was it was silly, but still okay. But the whole death sequence when he gets the the knife through the skull and then kind of is walking and then just says like "fuck Bruce Willis." Like, honestly, like probably my like my least favorite scene in the entire franchise yeah like it's it's woeful and like um i remember when i first watched this movie it took me a bit of time to get over it Mm -hmm. during the watch of the film because it was so out of place and so silly i then was nervous for a significant amount of time thinking that the movie was just gonna become a spoof um obviously now i can just get that scene out of the way and move on mm. um but yeah i remember first time it really it really bothered me you know I completely, it really stuck with me I, I completely agree like that scene for me um and one other scene really took me out of this that even the like you say the first time watching it when you're not kind of like over analyzing everything or anything like that you're just along for the ride and it was a case of like did he really just say that line um and yeah i was just reading about it earlier where wes said that he saw that in like a it was either a documentary or something one of those like craziest stories or whatever and it was this like guy who got stabbed in the skull and he'd managed to like walk into er and survive with it um and so he was like couldn't believe that so he put it in the movie but that is one of those things where it is so unbelievable that even though it happened in this reality i still don't want to see it well, because well, it's the problem article. is with with literally um five minutes later sydney's um aunt gets stabbed in the back and dies yeah. in four seconds yeah um where you know you know dewey has survived that multiple movies and then we've just seen a cop get stabbed in the 30 times in the gut in this film and she's fine (laughs) and then and then sudden and we see a cop get stabbed in the head and walk for 10 yards but sydney's Mm. aunt she is just gone a little knife through the letterbox you know didn't even go as super deep yeah she's gone you know so that scene really took me out of it and then the mm. other scene later on involving hicks which again i i I don't like this character in the slightest. I think she's kind of like a... Oh, when she does a, the feign. Yeah. yeah, so with, oh. with the first the character herself, the, re- the reasons why I don't like it, it's, it is like a poor, even poorer version of fake Gale from Scream 3, which is that they're mm. trying to set up this like love triangle. And again, like I'm like, you're doing this again? Like I just don't want to see this. And even though we got some good bitchy Gale moments from it early on, I still didn't yeah. think it was worth it. Oh, so It was worth it for the, I wrote the book on this comment. I'm not yeah, sure like your, your lemon squares are ass as well was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's just so she was just a terrible character and then for her to pop up in that finale ridiculously tense scene like 
like mm-hmm. it's so insane and for her to be like put on a vest save your chest yeah. and then do this ridiculous over-the-top faint i was just like oh my that, that was again a movie where i was just like apart when i watched the movie yeah. the first time I was like wow you've really taken me out of this insanely tense scene right in your finale yeah and considering that's like just at the end of the movie yeah. you know it's kind of like the joke reveal that she's not dead but she could have yeah. popped up and just been like close call and shown the vest but it's just like the line in the faint because obviously they, they didn't want her present throughout the other bit but she could have mm. just left they'd have been like oh cool you're alive could you leave please we're like got, we're having a moment yeah um, like thank god that everything else about that scene yeah. is so perfect because this scene has my favorite one-liner in the entire franchise <laughs> like there's so many over-the-top lines throughout all of them and, and they obviously they they definitely work most of the time because of how brilliantly kevin writes them but i think through all of the talk of remakes the fact that they got in sid saying the one rule is don't fuck with the original yeah i think is like it's one of those ones where I just want to stand up and start clapping. It's so yeah. fucking good. Oh, it makes the, me feel awesome. Like, her, like, the line itself and then her delivery of mm. it, and she just chucks the paddles down. Like, it's yeah. so powerful and it's so fantastic. And, yeah, at the time, that was such a statement. Mm. They're like, no, this is Scream 4. This is not a remake. And, like, we're going to we're gonna fuck with you throughout this movie, remaking a lot of things, but this isn't a remake. And, mm. um, yeah, it's so good. And I think... Um, yeah, like, um, moving on to, like, Sid and kind of Dewey and Gale, like, I, I, I really liked all of their characters in this movie. Mm. I love the fact that they've gone back to Woodsboro and Dewey is now the sheriff. Like, it makes so much sense for his character. It's where he wants to be and the fact he is there with Gale. Um, but the fact that Gale is... I, I like the fact that their marriage... You know, there is the question of Hicks and that they do have the, you know, they're always going to have a little bit of a fighting relationship. But but through it, throughout the whole movie, it, it is pretty clear that their relationship is strong in this. Mm. And she is just a bit lost. And, and, and then kind of the perfect parallel that Sydney has written a book and is just like coming to Woodsboro and kind of she doesn't mean to, but she's completely robbing the fact that Gail has nothing right now. And Sydney has what she wants in her mm. face. And like I love the that then dynamic and parallel between Gail and, and Sydney and then the fact that throughout this whole movie Gail is kind of frantically trying to find a purpose and just trying to find her place in the story and then inevitably gets too close. Um I still look back at that scene and wonder whether um she there's a cut of this where she dies at that scene. Because it really feels like Gail's death. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, because... scene is so awesome as well. Like mm. that would have been a great way to end that character because at that point she is the character who has like the most screen time. Like mm. Gail is kind of like the really the one who's you know she has like self pointed herself head of the case to solve it, and mm. so she is the one who's going to the party. She goes to the film club. She's the one that's getting all the leads. And so yeah, like I agree with you that Mike, I love that so much. Her sneaking around with the ghost face mask, and then yeah, if she would have had that reveal of her being murdered and then seeing like Dewey's reaction to Gail. Mm. That would have been so powerful to have like mid in your movie. I feel um, like a broken Dewey for the final act mm. as well could have been could have been good. Like it's it's difficult because yeah, I love difficult. all of these characters and the fact that they all survived, like um the fact that it gets to the point now where like we'll we'll talk about Scream Five, but like, you know, it's so difficult now to kill any of them off. And I think mm. kind of it's what they toyed with in this, the fact that they went back on it with Sid potentially and, and potentially with Gail. Like, um 
it kind of felt like someone had to die in this one and it, mm. it kind of it's got like that every movie where yeah. it feels like someone has to die of those core three and then the fact that they don't it then makes him seem even more unattainable to be killed yeah well those um, three are basically jason at this point like they have a million yeah. lives and it does seem to always be like a sacrificial lamb in each movie and we talked about yeah. how as sad as it was randy was the one who took the bullet in scream 2 um and then again as sad as it was cotton was the one who took it in scream 3 but i feel like there they fucked up because it was just way too early um yeah, yeah and i guess going into I, this I one kirby like was, was gail's time <laughs> like kirby was the one who really took the bullet because she yeah. was the the new character who was awesome um probably the best new character in the movie and then going into the finale especially when you look at the reveal of Jill, which does come afterwards, because she's obviously killed by Charlie. But I think it, had she not been killed by Charlie, you then get the Jill reveal. That would have been the natural point where Kirby would have become our lead. She would have become the new Sydney. Yeah. Um, and she would have been the one who kind of like maybe she would have come back. She would have fought. Maybe, maybe um Jill kills Sydney and thinks, Wow, I'm the one, I'm the new bitch in town. And then like Kirby comes back and kills yeah, her. Or, or the fact that just Kirby isn't dead. And yeah. so that then like the the follow-on movies, like Kirby is still alive and mm. doesn't know that jill's the killer because she wasn't she she was yeah. unconscious you know if if kind of charlie hadn't killed her or whatever because yeah, she's just like, how did you survive all that like yeah that would yeah, have been cool you know like how did it go down with sydney and i can't believe charlie was the killer like he killed you know he stabbed me he clearly mm. was the killer you know she would have she would have they, they would have been like the surviving sisters or whatever and then like yeah like um jill would have been so frustrated that kirby is sharing the limelight with her and kirby would be completely naive to it it would have been his former yeah, best like, friends yeah they're feuding that to me yeah would have been a way yeah, better idea could, for a could have been part. could have been exciting it's difficult though because i find it very difficult to believe that there would ever be a screen movie begin where you know unequivocally who the killer is yeah it's weird isn't um, it that it's still yeah. the thing like from screen one like it, it yeah. reminds me of saw of how the first movie had that big twist so they felt like now they always have to have a mm. twist and even though it's not the same thing yeah but i do find it bizarre that you have screen movies where they always have to like going into screen five the internet is going to try every single day to find out who that killer is oh and my god how crazy spoiler culture is now compared to before i mean we were talking about scream 2 leaking online in the 90s yeah like Christ. Scream five will leak before 100 percent and this is gonna be yeah, it's gonna be so hard to ignore that stuff. But yeah, it's crazy that, like you say, they still they still want to do that. And I guess because it is such a huge part of Scream that yeah, it is hard to imagine a Scream movie where you just don't know who the killer is and it doesn't have that like who done it element yeah. to it. Um, but yeah, it's um, I, I think the other character that we haven't really talked about is Trevor, who I think is a really terrible character. But I think it, again, <laughs> it makes sense within the movie. It reminds me of what I said about Charlie of how even though I personally wouldn't want him to kind of be a killer because i think jill in my mind when i think who's the killer in scream 4 i think jill yeah. i don't think charlie um it is so, so cause it's you know it's it's like um mickey you know but even more so you know the, the killer the, the the killer in scream 2 is mrs loomis like yeah, you know, but Trevor, I think he he serves his purpose because he at the end of the day he was just this absolute piece of shit who really isn't mm -hmm. a part of the story. But he was from from early on he was Jill's kind of um, alibi and like like she was always going to set him up. So I think the fact that he hangs around this movie like a bad smell, he pops up at the stabathon yeah. when he shouldn't, he pops up at the house when he shouldn't. It makes sense because Jill's leading him there perfectly, mm -hmm. and so she's leading the breadcrumbs for him. So you know it makes sense writing wise but he's still a stinky character who's like yeah. not interested in any way i think the scene in the hot in the high school when um is it uh robbie who has the camera is like well you know what's your favorite scary movie and he's like i'll show you ah! like yeah. 
bit is farcically bad to me. It's laugh out loud bad when I watch it. He does this weird little like near scream where it's like mm-hmm. supposed to be kind of like the the elusive bad boy, but he just comes across like everyone would laugh at you if you did that. Like you're a loser. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's know, the, that's, that's kind of that's that's the thing with his character that I agree with everything you said about like what happened with Jill and where he goes in it, but he's just not very well portrayed. That right. he he isn't. He's kind of trying to make out like he is like this kind of renegade bad boy, but mm-hmm. he just he yeah, he just becomes across like a loser. I feel like yeah. I feel like if he does that and does that little rah in someone's face, they just they're just gonna headbutt him. Like yeah. he, he he's really, you know a meme because it was on record and everyone would laugh at him and bully him out of the school. Like he'd just be yeah. like the big <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, I didn't necessarily have a problem with him. He mm. he just because he was he was very absent. He just kind of served up and uh, you know served his purpose when he needed to. Yeah, um, like I, it makes sense, but I think because my my only reason for that is I think another thing this movie does phenomenally well is it kills off pretty much all the worst characters first, and mm. so I think that we talked about how it sucks that Kirby dies, but at least she's there right till the end. Yeah. Whereas like Olivia, who's the biggest throwaway character, she gets off quickly. You have the PA, who's a throwaway character, she gets off quickly. The cops get off fairly quickly. It's yeah. it's pretty much Hicks I like and the PA, Trevor. Though. Yeah, she was. She, she. I mean, I, I love Alison Brie, but like, she, the, the character was like meh to me. Um, yeah, I like, liked. I liked the character. I kind of thought, um, you know, it was a good, good version of what one of these PAs would be, mm. and how she's forcing Sydney on these things. And you know, I, I liked the, the, the fact that kind of um, Sydney finally had like a um, confrontation with her just before she got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that the the hug death scene is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's worth it just for that alone. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know, th- this movie to me overall is absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. It was like a massive return to form, and I think also with my own personal feelings on it like i have ridiculous nostalgia for this movie because obviously i didn't get to see the original trilogy in in cinemas Mm. and so when this came around and i got a chance to see it on the big screen and just being absolutely blown away and i was like this is my scream you know for my era and i think that it's unequivocally better than free in every single way um i think that obviously the first movie is this ridiculous benchmark for horror that like the fact that it's even in conversation with that is is impressive and then i think outside of that it really is only a case of do you prefer four or two and i think my own personal nostalgia for this movie and the i think the fact that the killer is so much stronger puts screen four above it but i could see if people would love screen two at the time because i think i do think it's a great sequel but i think it was like it's way more interesting to me to have this movie mm. that's set all these years after all the quasi remake stuff like i think all of that really goes a long way I think, making yeah i think that's why for me i agree with the ranking that um clearly three is the worst movie and and clearly one is untouchable um and and i think at that point yeah this movie i think is smarter than two throughout and and yeah the message and the remake stuff and just the dialogue and everything else uh the fact that sydney doesn't have a sucky boyfriend in this one you know stuff like that and um and also um you can just you can just like (laughs) (laughs) who if she, if if um Derek, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yes, baited me. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Just carry on with your goddamn point. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, man. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Trevor. Derek, God damn it! <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, it's too good. Oh, Trevor sucks. <laughs> 
Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, he's in a better movie, apparently. He is, because I think, yeah, I think that, yeah, like, the, the kills in this one are so strong, and the ghost face, and, and like I say, there are, there are parts of this movie that are in some ways better than the original. The, like I say, the, 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 the ghost face level, the, 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 te- the multiple telephone conversations and that sort of thing. That um, it does elevate it above two for me as well. But um, I mean, Scream 1, Scream 4, Scream 2, I mean, <laughs> they, they are elite. You know, they, they are kind of head and shoulders above most movies that you see. And that's the thing that's unfair to Scream 3. Mm. Because Scream 3 would... Like if if that came out while we were doing the show, the Scream Three would be on our top ten list of, yeah. of the year, you know, and it would probably rank highly. It's I, mean, just, I talked uh, last week about how like I was thoroughly entertained yeah, by that movie. You know, it was just the a problem, lot. The so. problem is Scream, Scream, Scream Two, and Scream Four would be number one on our list. Mm. Uh, the you know if if we were doing a podcast that year, you know, uh, and and so that's the problem. But but yeah, I think um, you know, for me, like rewatching this franchise was just a pure joy and mm. something that um i haven't you know it's something that is truly one of my favorite um hor- just ip in general um mm. and the fact that kind of you know this bookends kind of wes craven's career you know perfectly with scream 4 and kind of the renaissance he got for the scream movies um you know so he could go make movies like red eye and that sort of thing um and just seeing that part of his career and actually being able to experience it in the moment, like you say, going to the cinema and seeing these movies finally, you know, the tail end of it. Um, you know, growing up as a as a giant fan of all of his movies, but always catching them past the moment and, you know, finally mm. getting you know, we were pretty much in the moment for Scream by the time Scream Three had come round, but we had to wait for the video and then kind of being there for four. Um I think it really is the evolution of us watching horror and the reason, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of, you know, really just start, there's so many reasons why we're doing the podcast because of these movies, mm. because I think it's Wes Craven full stop. I think it's scream one. And then it is scream Four. the fact that like we were seeing these movies at the cinema and going mad for it. And that's why we're still mad for cinema horror now. Yeah. I um, mean, sure. Craven when we can get back to it. Yeah, I think like that is why I always hold such a special place in my heart for this movie because when you look at Wes's career and kind of like where he started and those crazy movies that obviously we weren't around at the time but we did watch them at a ridiculously young age so it feels like we watched them because obviously we watched them way before we should have and mm. it was you know it really did kind of shape our future as horror fans and then yeah going into scream and loving it and i feel like just the fact that this movie got made makes me so happy because yeah. there are there are so many times when this doesn't happen there is a reality where scream 4 doesn't get made it reminds me of like free from hell where you know we were very fortunate to get that movie and you know through through reasons outside of rob's control it wasn't his initial vision because of the stuff that happened with sid but we still got a movie and it does remind me of that of scream 4 of like thank god we got one last um wes and kevin collab together mm. um because i don't i couldn't have imagined it would have worked anymore and it i just i love this movie so much for that reason because i think it's the perfect end to his career and i'm so happy that he got to make one last to me anyway really special incredible movie um 
and yeah it's awesome but yeah go, going forward obviously um it is weird the fact that um you know we had the tv stuff that felt so disconnected because it was on mm. television and no one watched it um <laughs> so the fact that like scream is a big deal again you know there, there are these big movies like halloween and it and there's so many companies now that are trying to make that next big thing and the fact that yeah we've got people that are now making a new scream movie be it scream five or scream whatever um that's going to be weird like next year i think it's, we, we've seen a lot of sequels for the show and we obviously get excited for ones and obviously i'm excited for like a new saw and stuff but i think scream is like a weird one for me because i feel like i bookended scream with scream 4 it felt like yeah. that is part of my life it was, it was like the end of lord of the rings well, or well, like end game it was it like it's because, over now you know it, it you know it being wes craven's last movie you know mm. it really feels like the franchise has to stop at wes yeah and um you know we we are um five years past now and kind of you know you're looking you're looking at it and you're thinking um you know what um <clears throat> you know can can someone have it and you know the the ip is out there and it's going to get made and so i can't i'm not i'm not going to become like i was with child's play initially and that sort of thing because there isn't hostility or anything like that the mm. ip is owned and people are behind it and they're getting everyone else on board but it's just you know it's not going to have as as talented as the people that you know the guys buying ready or not may or may not be for, for the genre you know long term um you know and this movie might be a banger it's just weird that craven won't be behind the camera and it definitely will lose some something from it and i just hope that the rest of the cast can come back as strong the script can be as strong and the movie can you know still succeed because yeah this is going to be a really weird one for the podcast when we get to it because i think um you know there is no other movie franchise that i'm as invested in as scream and the fact that you know it hasn't had you know there are so many franchises you know i i go outside of horror and i think of terminator and at this point there's just been so many trash terminator movies it really <laughs> doesn't matter like yeah. you know do what you want and i'll watch it and i might get some enjoyment out of it you never know um but i have t2 and it's fine and like <laughs> you know that's not the case with scream um you know as much as we what we said about screen three last week like i say it's still a banger mm. and like all of these movies are bangers uh truly bangers um you know when you look at the other franchises uh, there are not uh, you know um uh if you were to pick the best three movies or even you know if we throw screen four it's all four screen movies into the hat you look at all of the other big franchises and you put their best four against the four Scream movies, um, Scream's going to come out on top. Mm. And like, you know, they only, Scream's only got four movies, you know? And I think, I think that's kind of, you know, a testament to the strength of this franchise. And yeah, five could go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think like with my hopes for, for, a, for a fifth Scream movie, I think the way I'm thinking of it is I hope it's like as good as free, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine a world where they somehow make it better than the other three. Like I would love for that to be proven wrong. But um, I think my biggest fear comes from the fact with the writing, because obviously Kevin is, is an executive producer at this mm. point. And he's not writing the script. And I think that speaks volumes to me because I think clearly when Scream was at its best, it was when Kevin had something to say about the horror genre. And I yeah. think 
if you look at the time has passed between 2011 and then obviously it'll be another decade when it comes out next year i just don't know what kind of and again this is for way more talented writers to come up mm. with i don't know what are going to be the things that they'll think, pull from the I horror genre like, because outside of haunting movies and just very very awesome horror movies yeah but well, i was gonna say that the problem the problem is like scream unintentionally created a renaissance of horror mm. scream was there to be a commentary on the fact that we were in the 10th part of friday the 13th yeah there were a million halloween movies and it was to be this commentary on it and it did spur on filmmakers to create fresh things you know, Scream 4 had a massive, you know, the whole thing that we've discussed about the remakes, it had a massive thing to be said. But, I mean, you know, may- maybe we're in our own bubble and we're deluded with it. But right now, I just don't see where the 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 joke can be on horror because horror is as strong as it has been in the last hmm. decade. You know, we have we have great IP, we have great filmmakers, and we have great stories being told in horror right now. Yeah, like, um, what's the commentary going to be like? Oh, you yeah. should watch Ari like, Aster. Oh, Jordan, Jordan Peele, he's, he's like... awesome, isn't he? Yeah, like Ari Aster, that's not more Is this just going to be an advert yeah. like Midsummer? Like, is that what this movie is? Like, I don't really know what the point of it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I just don't, yeah. And so, you know, and then the fact that Kevin doesn't have a story to tell, hmm. you know, it, it, that probably is a bigger problem than, than the fact that this movie is being made without Wes because hmm. Kevin's there. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, like if Kevin had a banging story to tell, Wes can't tell it for him anymore. Mm. So they're going to, you know, to tell that story, they need to find someone. But Kevin doesn't have a story to tell, you know, as far as we know. So it, it is super interesting. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, Sydney seems like she, it's not been official. Has it been made official yet that Nev's back on board? Yeah, so it's weird, right? Because we, we actually got linked a, a video on Twitter mm. Cody and I, and I went through it and it was talking about a basically a casting um, or production schedule on, on a certified website that kind of has, has gone up recently and mm. it confirmed a lot of details of where they were shooting starting in the fall a very brief plot synopsis and it had cast listed as the three you know David Courtney and Nev um, right which obviously as of right now with recording david is the only one that they've kind of released and said that he's going to be a part of the movie um whereas yeah having those other two names on that release is the first time in any official capacity that's been on there and it is just listed as like scream five you know shooting this fall sort of thing so yeah and i think that's the problem that if you know if you don't get all three back you either need all three or none um i think um Mm. well i think i think you need dewey and gale like you either have justed or you have just Dewey and Gale, mm. um, or you have all three. Um, and the fact that like David's been announced, Courtney has to be there. Um, and and <clears throat> uh, I mean, it becomes more you know more and more difficult to do. But then at that point, if all three of them are in it, it feels it would. I just don't know how I'd feel coming out of the movie either way. Like if they live again, it's like you say that how many lives have they got? But then if Scream Five like kills off one of these characters i Mm. I just don't know whether i can allow it (laughs) yeah it (laughs) would feel like oh man like they escaped in scream 2 and scream 4 where it really would have had a massive purpose and now you're just using it to kind of put over your new cast sort of thing yeah you know and the fact that they had this you know with scream 4 scream 4 was their best opportunity to to kill off someone you know and and you know the fact that they had uh kirby and at the time jill you know that were just these incredible characters and um you know um they didn't they didn't do it i just find it difficult that they're going to get that lightning in the bottle again to get such a cast because 
you know, like um, so many of the understudies in this movie, the the the, the new the new batch of Scream Four have gone on to have crazy careers, mm. you know, and and they were all pretty much unknown from this movie, you know, um, and and yeah, I just kind of it. I have a lot of trepidation about a fifth movie, but also. You know, my love of this franchise is so strong that, like, the second I see Ghostface, like, I'm, I'm the guy that when I see Michael Myers, I still get excited, and when I see the Halloween trailers, because I just want to see Michael Myers tear shit up. Like, mm. the second I see a trailer with Ghostface, and I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as long as I don't fuck with the mask, I don't yeah. fuck with the mask. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be a journey. Like. Uh, I've got so many questions in my mind, like what that original teaser is going to be and what the, what the initial premise of it is. This is, you know, like I say, this is three from hell shit where I'm just like, how does this movie begin? What is an, mm. you know, We've just talked at nauseam about the openings of these four movies and how bang yeah. they are. How do you open a screen five? And then how do you beyond that open the rest of the movie? You know, where, where does this movie begin? Are we in Woodsboro, you know, and, and where are all these characters? It's, yeah, like it, it blows my mind, and when I when I start thinking about that, I get super excited, but also super scared. Yeah, I think that like um, I just hope that they keep it fresh and they don't. It's so difficult in this day and age because I think you have certain people who are so afraid of fan service, and then you have people that go full three sixty the other direction, and they're so concentrated on trying to create something that's like unpredictable to shock you. And you know, it's that classic like Last Jedi slash like the last season of Game mm. of Thrones where you know they try so hard to not just give people what they want that they end up just making Tell something you now, terrible. If one of the three characters dies in the opening scene, I'm walking that's, out. That's, that's where I was going because I, I yeah. feel like. Um, <clears throat> I feel like there's a high chance that Sydney dies in the opening scene. And I think mm. that in hindsight in years to come, too. it would really feel like Halloween resurrection. I was going to say, like, they're going to Halloween resurrection it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll just feel like, Oh, this was completely pointless. Cause she died in this piece of shit film. And now like we're years removed and we wish we hadn't have done that. And so I hope they don't do that. My other prediction, which I've been thinking this for a very long time. And um, I'm going to say it on the podcast in hopes that it does not come true. Um, <laughs> which is that my official prediction for screen, five is that samara weaving stars in the movie and <laughs> that she is the killer um i i think that that to me would be the most predictable thing for them to do given the, their previous movie it would, it would be yeah it would be too much like oh my god if she gets cast for this i'm gonna be so worried well, and that's the thing because even if she's in it and then they constantly make her the red herring because no, i'll tell, 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 tell you what i'm gonna counter your prediction <laughs> go for it Samara Weaven gets cast for this movie. She mm. is on all of the promotional material. Oh, she, she, is, she is on the poster. She is Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Like that to me would again be very predictable. But I, I feel like, yeah, the, like I'd prefer that for sure. Um, <laughs> they would like troll us. But um, yeah, like she's, I think we both think she's going to be in the movie. And it's funny because she's either, mm. she either dies open in the scene. She's either the biggest red heron or she's just a killer. And yeah. I don't know which one's the worst out of that. Probably that she's the killer. Just get her out of the way. Just, yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to just in the open scene and die. And at least you can watch. And the, the thing movie, is, 
this is absolutely nothing against her as an actress or anything no, like no. that. This is purely because of the fact that I think if you look at trends in horror right now, she is in literally everything. She was obviously in the director's previous movie, which makes that obvious connection. And I just think when you look at the role she's done, she's so clearly... She's Emma Roberts. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. She strays that line between, like, she's the protagonist that everyone loves, but she also is more than willing to be evil and do fucked up shit. Mm. And so I think that, to me, she is, like you said, like, I want that turn of, like, to me, Emma Roberts played that perfect girl next door Sydney yeah. Prescott character. Well, you need, you need to find Samara Weaving and Emma Roberts before they're those two people. You know, yeah. she, Emma Roberts wasn't, you know, if Emma Roberts made Scream 4 now, Everyone yeah. knows that she can play a psycho from yeah, after watching American yeah, Horror Story. Of, that, of like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's on the TV shows. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, we'd look at her and think like, yeah, you're because you know, there's some, there are some actresses that you see, and when they play one of these roles that is this super evil role, you see them in things being all sweetness and nice, and you know mm. they've got it in and not to be, and it's 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 it is difficult because it does stick, and I think, um, yeah. yeah, it's. It's going to be a journey, man. Like <laughs> the second that the films start getting made again, and we actually start getting stuff for this, um, this is going to be some next level stuff because I'm going to want to know <laughs> everything that they want to tell us, but still not that much, really, because they're going oh, to want to tell us. This too is much. going to be on our news but, every week. <laughs> but there's going to be there's the spoilers and everything else is just going to be terrifying because mm. I really don't want anything spoiler. You know, I just want the stuff that they put out there. You know, I want that three from hell journey. Yeah, um, and I want that three from hell payoff. <laughs> Good luck with that I one. I don't. I don't um, want much, man. No, I don't. I think without without Wes and Kevin involved, you're absolutely not going to get that. Um, but if you, we might still get a very entertaining movie, which is what I'm. Do you think? Do you for. think? Um, Rob Zombie directs one of the future stab movies that have <laughs> inevitably come out between Scream Four and Scream Five. I mean. <laughs> That would immediately make it incredible, but I also no, I don't think that's. I mean, that could be the commentary that everything's become a Rob Zombie now. Stab Eight was directed by Rob Zombie, and then it's like a twenty-minute segment of um, Richard <laughs> being Ghostface in a Rob Zombie directed. See, making me segment. really like this type of movie now. Like, I don't like this. We need to move on <laughs> because I don't want Rob Zombie to direct a Scream movie, but. Mm. My God, do I want Rob Zombie to direct a stab <laughs> movie? Oh, I thought I want him to direct both, mate. Why not? Who <laughs> cares at this point? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was our final retrospective on the Scream franchise. Um, we will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, that is pretty much it for this week on our final retrospective show. Like I said, this has been a hell of a journey over the last few weeks um, and we will go back to some sort of normality in the coming weeks. Um, We're still going to figure out what we're doing um, in the coming weeks. But yeah, there are like some interesting looking movies coming out. um, I was just going to throw out a name of a horror franchise that i wanted to rewatch, and then you'd be <laughs> stuck to it but <laughs> that's like because whatever you say is this this gonna be like all right we're, we're done tour we're done scream i don't think there's any more i want to do <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think I do, I do like child's play i think that's like the only one that i'd actually enjoy or like you know troll um but uh <laughs> 
But uh, yes, yeah, I mean, so, I've already watched the Puppet Master movie, so I'm good to go. Yeah, I knew, I knew that's, I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> it was, it was fifty fifty. You know where exactly? Um, all your typical upgrade reference, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only one of those. I mean, we could do a retrospective on upgrade because we've never done a retrospective of a movie we've reviewed for the podcast before. I'm just putting it out there, okay? If enough people tweet at us, we'll do it. I'm looking at you, Cat. Right. I'm not looking at the Twitter account. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like there, there are actual movies coming out obviously i think cinema even though as of recording it looks like we're about a, a month away I, I still don't think that's going to happen so we are you know i was going to say unfortunately but that's not necessarily the case when there's obviously some great digital stuff coming out as well and yeah shutter have got a lot of interesting stuff there's been quite a few stuff that came out in june and july as well that looks very interesting um if you've seen anything in the last couple of months um that you really enjoyed uh, definitely let us know because we are looking for movies again of course um and we've got a lot of tv to catch up on as well um we may mm-hmm. not be doing tv specials in the coming weeks um because we've been watching a lot of twilight zone and of course nosferatu has returned um which yeah no one is talking about once again and i really Mm. want to talk about it because uh it seems like that show is just only made for us apparently (laughs) yeah i was gonna say someone needs to talk about it yeah for sure before they inevitably cancel it um but um yeah there was one thing i i did um watch that i want to talk about actually briefly um because i did kind of mention it last week when i said about um i wanted to watch my midsummer director's commentary mm-hmm. and then unfortunately found out that it didn't exist um, which is always <laughs> sad. um so i threw on my lighthouse blu-ray which of course yeah only came out recently and that does have a director's commentary um which first and foremost before i get into it that is incredible for like a new movie to have a director's commentary. And it sucks that we have to say that and how that's becoming such a rarity these days. Mm. Um, because yeah, Midsummer, no, none, you know, us didn't have one when get out did. And that really triggered me and is really disappointing. Um, and yeah, just so many of these movies don't, but, um, yeah, watching the lighthouse for the third time this year and this time with the commentary just adored it again, made me love this movie even more. Like Robert is a guy who is fascinating to listen to. I think that he comes across super well in, in commentaries and interviews because obviously he is, his first movie was this kind of ridiculously, um, you know, self-serious movie. And he could easily, you, you would think he would come across as one of these, what, what's the word? Just very like pretentious, I guess is the word. Yeah. Um, and, and he doesn't like, he's so well, just jaded by the, the, the kind of world that yeah. was, that he was throwing into yeah know. for sure um Whereas, yeah he's he, a guy he that sees everything so much yeah he, he's a guy that sees everything with a smile and doesn't take mm. things seriously and so i think yeah the, the commentary it was impeccable he goes into everything you'd want about you know different days that they were shooting and uh, uh, this take was difficult um talking about like Actually, no, I'm going to go talk about that because of spoilers in case you haven't seen uh, The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just talking about all the different things, obviously the incredible set design and the cinematography and just everything that goes into making that movie look the way it did. That alone was fascinating. But then him talking about all the crazy stuff about how they came up with the dialogue and the names and everything. And he had so many cool stories about when they shot it. Um, and there was so many little things that he said as well that I didn't even notice. These like small little plot lines that he's like, oh, I didn't know if that read on camera or not. And I was like, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. This was like a thing going on in the movie. Um, so as a as a rewatch again i would highly recommend it because it made me love a movie that i didn't think i could love anymore like even more um it's not dropped anything yet has it streaming platform i don't think so no um because yeah obviously we were super late getting it the blu-ray only came out like about a month ago um and yeah immediately picked it up because i'm assuming people got this in like other territories because this came out on blu-ray in the u.s like before we even got it in cinemas Mm. like back in january and obviously this is old news for our international listeners um 
but yeah couldn't recommend it enough like i love listening to these commentaries i've been on such a kick of it lately and i want to find more to listen to um and yeah like i'm really gutted like i say that i can't listen to ones like midsummer because i would love to just hear ari like talk over that movie mm. um this was one of my favorite hands down uh, that i've listened to in a very long time um and again it makes that blu-ray worth it you know we talk about that a lot of like what goes into these like special packages you know the older movies they kind of make themselves because once you throw on a few like you know retrospectives and interviews you're like halfway there but with the new releases it is a bit more difficult of like why would you buy you know like like midsummer for example or like dr sleep like why would you pick that up on blu-ray straight away when you've only just watched it and i think stuff like commentaries just yeah when it, when it is yeah you need that sort of thing because otherwise mm. yeah it really is just you know you, if you know you've either seen it at the cinema or you haven't and if you've mm. seen it at the cinema you just don't need to pick up the blu-ray no exactly it's so easy to rent or like you say like there's so many digital yeah. platforms that are competing these days well the problem is how many times, yeah or how many times they get the triple dip you know do they mm. get me see it at the cinema i then love it so i get the bog standard blu-ray because i want to watch it again and then i get mm. the nice blu-ray when they give me the director's cut or whatever director's yeah commentary. yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the only thing I've watched. Like mm. I like, say, highly recommend it. There was one other thing very briefly, but because I'm super early, I didn't want to have a massive discussion about it, but I think you watched it. Did you watch Chernobyl? I did, yeah. I've only watched the first episode, and I yeah. have to say, I really didn't like it at all. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to speak to you and say, like, what is your overall thoughts on it? And do and if and also, do you think it gets much better than the first episode? Or is that kind of the general quality? level? I, I thought it was really boring. It's, it's the general level. Um, I wasn't blown away by Chernobyl. I think um, the, the story behind Chernobyl is way more interesting mm. than the TV show Chernobyl. Yeah, that's why I'm watching and it. I spent... Yeah, and so I spent the entire show getting those nuggets of fact from it that I loved around a lot of pretentious bullshit, mm. um, and that was kind of what the show was for me. Um, and and yeah, hence why I didn't really voice any opinion on it at the time because I was mm. watching it in the hype, and I just kind of yeah, I, I I really enjoyed moments, um, and I really enjoyed learning about Chernobyl, uh, but there's much better ways to do it yeah uh, I, was gonna say, I just want to watch a documentary now yeah yeah that first episode it was very much like um obviously knowing what it's about the general it's so it. slow man it's so yeah. slow it's it just like here's slower. this has this event that happened and then like here's the kind of catastrophe and the people on the ground that have to deal with it which was obviously devastating and, and then you just have a bunch of kind of like suits and people in power that are just basically all idiots and i guess that's all kind of, yeah i guess that's the point of the show is to yeah. show that these like evil corporate suits all made bad decisions and that cost millions of people their lives but like it's not yeah. done in an interesting way it's just like oh these are all assholes and i've got to sit there and watch them chew the scenery the yeah it was kind of and i wasn't enjoying yeah. like the way they were talking or the language like the the performances or anything i was just kind of like ugh so yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll because there's only like I say, it's only five episodes. Yeah. Um, they are an hour each. So I'm like, do I want to commit another four hours to this? Like, I, don't I mean, know. I'll I'll phrase it to you like this: there <laughs> there are only five episodes, but that is five hours. Yeah, you could watch ten episodes of Ash versus Evil Dead. Well, just don't say that because I'll definitely do that option. <laughs> uh, because that's what I've done this week. And well, I didn't watch ten episodes, but I've started season three and. Mm. Oh, it's such a joy. The show is amazing. such a joy. Season three is a joke yeah. as well, because season three, each episode thus far has got like this just crazy set piece that's just mm. so over the top. Um, it, uh, I, I'm at a loss for so many different things. The fact that this could get made, 
the fact <laughs> that this got past censors and the fact that the quality is good as what it is mm. and the fact that Bruce Campbell is just an absolute joy. Like, everything about it is just fantastic. Um, and um, the things that they say as, like, throwaway jokes, they make into, like, plot points. It's just, it's just so... It, it's so perfect. Like... Mm. Like the fact that that show exists and the fact that that show was as good as what it is will be one of the biggest triumphs that we've had in the genre for for the longest time. You know, it really is. Um, and then the fact that so many people probably have not seen it and slept on it because it was a TV show um, is is an absolute travesty. Yeah. Um, because we didn't just get Evil Dead Four; we got like Evil Dead Four, Five, Six, and Seven. Mm. Um, you know, which is just incredible. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I do want to say last week I spoke about the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. And then when we finished recording, I went on YouTube and realized I had 20 minutes left of it where they spoke <laughs> about Freddy versus Jason. Oh, no. <laughs> so I watched that and that was real good. And it was <laughs> nice to actually hear them talk about Freddy versus Jason and mm. you know, actually have, you know, have a commentary on that movie. Um, post it, which was super interesting. There was interviews with Kane Hodder talking about how he's not in the movie and how frustrated he was by that. Hmm. Um and how, you know, Robert was as well, because, you know, he, the, you know, those two icons working together would have been something special and elevated the movie even more. Um, but yeah, it was really fun hearing all of that. And it's such a good documentary, man. You've got to watch mm. it. Yeah. Um, it will make you want to watch all of the movies or at least yeah. quite a few of them. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, you already know what I've watched other than that. The one and only American Psycho nice uh just because you know it's american psycho yeah he doesn't every now and again yeah <clears throat> my god that movie's funny like <laughs> it's so funny i it's one of those things where it's it's become like everything that happens in that movie makes me laugh the, the opening 20 minutes of that movie i'm just laughing constantly because yeah. his performance and the way he plays bateman and just when he's putting a skin mask on and looking in the mirror and then talking to his PA. And then when he goes and has like all this like treatment, like a, a, <laughs> a nail treatment or yeah. whatever, like it was just his face throughout all of it is just so funny and all of the inner monologue. And yeah, the, when he's referencing the pop music, when he, um, Phil Collins, when he's killing people and all of this stuff, it's just, the movie is just pure gold. It really is. It's so incredible. And I really wish that like he he's done more. He would do more like that mm. um, because it was so good um, and such a great performance. Um, and yeah, just just an absolute banger of a movie. It was it was something that I threw on just because I thought I want to watch something for a little bit and then fall asleep in something that's comfort and like I've seen a million times, so it doesn't matter. And then yeah, I just stayed awake and watched the whole thing in one go. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That will always be one of my all-time favorite movies. And I think that even though Christian is great in a lot of movies, I don't mm. think there's a single movie that his performance levels even come close. Like, I think he is... He's on another level. Yeah, it, it, he's good in other movies, for sure. Um, but, like, he is, like, firing on all cylinders, like you say, on a level that... I didn't think he had in him in terms of the comedic chops and then also playing this crazy multi-layered character that by the end of it, you're just like, I don't even know where to begin with this character is one of the most interestingly written characters in the history of obviously it was in a book and now in film. And it was just, it is absolutely incredible. Like saying like the supporting cast, every time you watch it, you forget that it has Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, Reese Witherspoon. Like it has such a brilliant supporting cast as well. That movie. Um, yeah, it's spectacular. Like I love everything about that movie man um 
but yeah that's pretty much it for i killed thing. a lot of people <laughs> it's so good it's just like oh my god sorry, I video tapes. <laughs> oh my god yeah it's awesome so many quotes yeah anyway. it's just like you say there's there's only a few movies that are instantly put a smile on your face the second you even think about them mm. <laughs> and that is one yeah. for me of like there isn't a single second of that movie that i don't thoroughly enjoy uh, yeah and there are movies that like you love but you scroll past multiple times on like mm. a streaming service because you've seen them and you need to be in the mood for it and like you don't know whether you want to go through the whole thing you know they can be difficult or whatever like i look at the quiet place on netflix quite a bit mm. and like that's a movie that i've really got to be ready for like it's yeah, phenomenal but I can't just throw that on as comfort food. Like, no, I you know, barely watched but, I think I watched it like two, maybe three times. Like, yeah, but you know, like, yeah, American Psycho, that is definitely one of them. Uh, like I say, it's, it's a comedy for me. Like, I'd mm. put that on like I would one of the old school comedies that I love. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's spectacular. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, like I say, in the coming weeks, there is some new releases coming digitally. Um, and we're also going to be catching mm-hmm. up on TV. So hopefully you guys have checked out The Twilight Zone um, because I know we've been watching a lot of that recently. Um, and yeah, that is it. Um, thanks for listening, as always. And we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. I never could, how could I start that?